This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man. Indeed it is the Monty Show, Tuesday, October 12th, 2021. Thank God we are halfway through this godforsaken month, just about. Uh, Amazing turn of events in the NFL yesterday. John Gruden out as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll talk about all of that uh, because I think that is one of the most important subjects that we will talk about in the next probably calendar year. It is a huge deal. Tony Jones went on a podcast I've never heard of and talked about the Utah Jazz and essentially stole everything I've ever said about the Jazz. Tony, you're welcome. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, But we need to start with BYU football Uh, because BYU, contrary to what most people in Provo think, the season did not end with a loss to Boise State. No. In fact, the season is just beginning, right? The uh, BYU Cougars. That's a cue for you to play that sound. Anyway, the point is the BYU Cougars are heading to Waco, Texas to take on the Baylor Bears. And this is a big game, and a lot of people want to know, well, why is why is BYU even continuing their season? It's over, right? They have nothing to play for. Au contraire, mon frere. They have everything to play for. This is one of the biggest games um, that you have on the schedule this year. And frankly, with the familiarity with Jeff Grimes being there, um, with his relationship with BYU and Kalani, there's a lot of interpersonal heat um, being levied in this game. But this is a big game for BYU to bounce back. And I don't care about the, the Big 12 and joining in 17 years. Like That doesn't mean a thing to me in this game. This is a true display of BYU football's character. Because you lost a game that, by most people's opinion, you should have won, and you likely gave that game away. So, Jake, what do you think is on the line Saturday in Waco? Yeah, I think there's a lot on the line for BYU. I I, I think right now, you know, you you have one loss. You know, you you don't have to, as a football team, feel like, you know, the season is over or – or like you've wrecked yourself, you know? Did you lose a game you probably should have won? Absolutely, you did. Did you make mistakes that you shouldn't have made? Absolutely, but that doesn't mean that that the season has to be, um, you know, just over. And so I think when I when I look at this game going to Baylor, yeah, I mean, I do think that it one of the easiest angles you can come up with on this game is well, it's Baylor, right? They're going to be seeing Baylor a ton in the Big Twelve, and and that and that's all futuristic, and we're excited about that, about all of that. But I think right now for BYU, this is a bounce back game. I think this is a game where where you're going on the road, which for BYU hasn't happened a whole heck of a lot this year. And you're going to be looking to make a statement in this game, which is, hey, Boise State was, you know, a fluke is probably aggressive, but Boise State was not us. Boise State was not our best game. And we're going to be looking to prove that against Baylor. We're going to be looking to run a 100% healthy Jaron Hall out onto the field. We're going to be looking to end all those injury concerns. We're going to be looking to get Tyler Algier back to to you know where he should be. We're looking to get Katoa back on, on track. So I just think this game needs to be a BYU goes on the road and shuts up the haters kind of game. And if they do that, I don't see any reason why they can't be a, a one-loss team this season. You know, I, I don't see any reason why you can't go to SC for your last game of the year. 
uh, as a one-loss team with a lot to play for. So that's what I think is on the line going to Baylor. Yeah, and I, I think this issue with character and this issue with, you know, who and, who you are and who you want to become um, and what you've accomplished versus what your goals are, I think that's what the questions to be answered are. Um, but before we put to bed the Boston State loss, um, some thoughts from Kalani Sataki about why BYU wound up losing that game. Not to take anything away from Boise State, but we didn't help ourselves much either. So um, I think the most visible ones are the, the turnovers, but if you're looking at, at assignments and, and uh, technique and the fundamentals of breakdown in that, I mean, that's that's something that, that I need to correct as head coach. And, um, you know, our, uh, I thought we've done a pretty good job at most of it. Um, had some uh, some issues uh, with technique and, and We'll get those fixed, and and um, you know we just need to get our guys back on track, and uh, it's it's humbling, and, and it's a good opportunity for us to focus a little bit more. This is good for us to focus completely on this week, and uh, get ready for Baylor. That's 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 going to be the key: learning from the mistakes and making sure that this, that stuff doesn't happen again. Kalani Sataka, the head coach of BYU, I I think. That's exactly right. And the one thing that's clear, listening to the media availability yesterday and listening to, uh, you know, I thought I thought Gunnar Romney made the best point and really kind of, you know, echoes in place off of what Kalani said there. And that is that, you know, there's not a whole lot of finger pointing going on. There's not a whole lot of, well, you know what, Lopini Katoa lost us a game. Like, there's not a whole lot of that. There is, hey, here's why we lost, because we turned the ball over. We didn't execute offensively. Um, and we got our ass kicked on the line in the first half. And now let's watch film on that. And now let's talk about that. And what can we do to be better? Okay, cool. Monday's over with now. Tuesday becomes all about Baylor game prep. And I think that's exactly what you have to do. But man, I'm telling you, Saturday in Waco is a character test for this football team because you're recruiting well. BYU right now, it, it, uh, unbelievably has the 71st ranked recruiting class in the country. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Far above where Utah is, for instance, dominating the state of Utah in recruiting local kids. Everything is to play for. If you go to Baylor and get your doors blown off, or if you drop the football on the turf all over the place, or whatever is, whatever's going to be, if you do not play well and you look bad doing it, I think there's a lot more on the line, Jake, than than just winning and losing. Yeah, I mean, I think your reputation as a program is on the line. You know, it, it, it's and this is kind of what we talk about with you know strength of schedule and who BYU is able to play and 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 all this in that whole good conversation. Like, I think Baylor is a program, you know, that that is nationally respected. Now, are they a threat to win a national championship? Well, no, of course not. But but they are nationally respected. If you can say, hey, you know, yeah, we we lost, you know, to Boise State at home. On uh, week five, but then in week six, we went to Waco uh, in a tough environment, and we and we went on the road and we beat Baylor, uh, and we did it by ten points. Let's say as an example, that's going to be a statement victory. That's going to say, okay, this team this team can can handle adversity. This team can work through not having uh, their starting quarterback, regardless of what we all think of who should be the starter. Jaron is their number one very clearly as far as the program is concerned. So, you know, either way, not having your starting quarterback is not ideal. And we worked through that. And now, based on, you know, what, uh, you know, 
uh, everyone is saying Jaron's going to be 100% healthy going out there on the field against Baylor. And so that's exciting news. And I think that that to me is is like it just feels like they're kind of like turning this corner like it felt like man we're in the middle of the storm against Boise we had a crappy game we dropped the football we didn't play good football well now we're going to Baylor Jaron's healthy everything's going to be fine we're back to us well I don't know that I would say Jaron's healthy um I still think there's a conversation to be had about who the best quarterback for BYU is I, mm -hmm. I mean I I that's probably a different show, but I mean, I still maintain if it was my decision, I would be playing Baylor Romney. I don't even have, I wouldn't even hesitate. Mm -hmm. I'd be starting Baylor Romney. Um, but Hey, that's why I'm a talk show host and not a football coach. Speaking of football coaches, here's Kalani Sataki talking about the Baylor bears. I think if you look at what Baylor's doing they're they're playing a really good defense as well. So, um, they make things really difficult, uh, for an offense to have success and to, to make big plays. And then offensively, they're really efficient quarterback um, takes care of the football, hasn't thrown an interception all year, um, and then and, and they have a good group of running backs and some great skill players at, at receiver, and then I, I know their, their old line is being coached well because Grimey and Mattel are there, so I know that they're, they're going to do their part, and it's a tough team, it's a tough matchup, we're going on the road and, and going to be in, in, in Waco, we're excited for the, for the, the venue to be there, it's gonna, I think our guys are going to embrace it and have fun with it. BYU head football coach Kalani Sataki right there, and I, I think that's what you have to do, and we'll get much more into this matchup as the week goes on, but I think it is a critical, critical moment in time for BYU. I mean, it's the recruiting thing. I, there's so much momentum in this program right now. You are likely not going to go undefeated this season. It just the percentages are never in your favor. Whether you're Alabama or BYU, you were, you were likely not going to go undefeated. But – you have to have the understanding that everything is still to play for. So it'll be interesting to see how they react. Let's get some of your comments. Brylark says, morning, boys. Gruden and Urban going to the start, going to start a club. Yeah, apparently. Seriously. We're going to talk about John Gruden in just a moment here. Ramiro says, good morning. Chris Carnes says, I have a 13-pound brisket in the freezer waiting. Uh, we're going to hook you up. We got it. We got it all taken care of for you. Chris and I DM'd yesterday, much to the uh, disappointment of many of our listeners who are like, if he doesn't answer you, pick another name. Eh, sorry, he answered. Uh, Chris Karn won the um, Ironwood 650 uh, Traeger Smoker yesterday uh, on the show. Uh, the Blind Swordsman says, yo, let's go. The Monty Show has arrived this morning. What's up? What's up? Good to see you. James Knight says, morning, lads. Oh, James Knight. James Knight. <laughs> you are not going to be a fan of some audio we're going to play in a few minutes when we talk jazz. Eric C. says, how far can the Aztecs go? Well, what are you, 24th, I think, right now. Um, San Diego State plays gritty football. That's a tough team to compete against. And I mean, you're, you're, you're probably San Diego state's not a team that, that is ever going to, at least not in the modern era of college football, you're not going to be at the forefront of people's mind when expansion happens. But I think it'll be interesting to see what happens to programs like San Diego state when, when major conference expansion happens again. Um, you know, regionally speaking, San Diego's kind of an island onto itself, right? I mean, you, you it's 90 minutes from Los Angeles, you know, depending if I'm driving, it's 70 minutes from Los Angeles. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you might as well be a lifetime away because San Diego is just such a different place, right? So can USC and San Diego State be in the same conference? Sure, absolutely. But it just doesn't feel like San Diego State 
is a great fit for the Pac-12. Now, do standards change if the Pac-12 is trying to expand? Do standards change if the Pac-12 contracts? I don't know. I'm curious about more than this year for San Diego State because that's a really good athletic program, whether it be baseball, basketball, football. That's a really good athletic program that not a whole lot of people know about. So I'll be interested to see, uh, Eric, where they end up. Um, Chris Karn says, any chance someone can look at Matt Nagy's old emails? Man, I wish. Uh, BYU fan <laughs> CJ says, the running backs will have an extra layer of stick them on the gloves. I just don't think... I, 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 so many BYU fans are worried about turnovers. It was one game. It wasn't the rain's fault. It was technique and mentality that put the ground, the ball on the ground. Yeah. It was one game. I would not overthink the turnovers. I wouldn't. I, I think that this is a well-coached, fundamentally sound team at BYU. They'll be fine. The, um, eclectic redhead. Good morning to you. Um, says this game is definitely a big deal for BYU. They need a big win to bounce back. They can do it. They weren't the only ranked team to lose to an unranked team. No, they're not. Yeah. They're not in. That's what I was saying yesterday on the show. You've lost a game. You haven't lost a season. Everything that you want is still right in front of you. You have to run the table if you want to play on New Year's Day. To get into a New Year's Six Bowl, you got to play on, you got to, you got to win every game you play. That's going to be a daunting, difficult task. So, We'll see. You're only halfway through the season. Um, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see how BYU, the character of this football team, will be on display Saturday. Yeah, there's a lot of football left. You know, you have a lot of opportunities. So, yeah. I, I, but I, to, to be clear, I do think they can do it. Um, Teddy Wayman, what's up? He says, good morning. Greg, Hawk, Greg Hawkins, hello to you. The eclectic redhead also says it didn't feel like Jaron was 100% on Saturday. He was not. No. Sorry, and I know that all the, the BYU – uh, shiners out there in the media were like, oh, he was 90%. He did not even attempt to run. They did not call a designed run. He never looked for uh, to create. I, I mean, they the, the RPO wasn't even a, 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 a really a, an option in this game. You saw Boise State down at the line of scrimmage. I'm telling you, Jaron Hall was 60% of who he is. He You took out. Half the guy's skill set when you when he didn't run. 50% of his ability, gone. Yeah. What quarterback is going to be effective when you take 50% of their skill away? And everybody's like, oh, but he threw for 300 yards. And that's all well and good. But he's not a great thrower of the football. The guy does not complete 60% of his passes. On the season, he does not complete 60% of his passes. And, like, three people were like, he's an elite passer. Okay, well, and I replied on Twitter, and you can go back and look at the conversations. I said, well, you know, he he, he completes 50. I think it's 58% of his passes on the season. Yeah, the point is, is he's not completing enough he's, passes to be considered an elite the passer. The point is, he is a below average thrower of the football. Yeah. If you look at in that, I mean, I'm not ripping the kid. The facts are the facts. Yeah. It is what it is. He is a below average thrower of the football and a lot of that if you've watched any BYU football with Jaron uh Jaron Hall playing quarterback a lot of it is just ball placement you know not having the ball in a position for the wide receiver to to catch it comfortably you know if I told you he averaged 7.4 yards per pass attempt what do you what would you guess he averages per run attempt mm, probably more than that because he's not a running back so I, I would think maybe Eight yards, maybe? 7.4 yards per carry. 
7.1 yards per throw. Yeah, I mean, that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> he runs far more effectively than he throws. He completes 59% of his passes. And I, I tweeted that. It, there's an account on Twitter called The Sports Bros. Well enough. Good. I, I mean, we follow each other. We talk a lot, right? Right. And he and I said 59%, 7.1, 7.4, and they said the last two possessions were basically Hail Marys. Well, the problem is 59% is not his game statistics. That's his season statistics. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Those are not numbers from the game. Listen, it's okay to be critical and honest about a player's performance, whether they play at BYU, Utah, or any school you want to point to. Jaron Hall is a is a average to below average thrower of the football. What makes Jaron Hall special is his ability to run the football. He is a true dual threat quarterback. They broke the back of Utah and Arizona state with big Jaron Hall runs. But what have I said the entire season? His best and his worst attribute is his ability to run because he's not durable. And when he runs down to the goal line against Arizona state, he winds up banging his ribs and his shoulder. I, I, that That is who he is. That's why I always say, look at Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football last night. Yeah. You have to stand in the pocket and deliver the football to win games. I don't care if it's Pop Warner or the National Football League or BYU football. Your quarterback has to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. It's what Charlie Brewer could not do for the Utes, and Cam Rising did Saturday at the Coliseum. And what do you know, the Utes broke a 100-year-old streak. I'm telling you, Jaron Hall is a good, not great quarterback. It, it is what it is, yeah. man, as the old saying goes. Q Sam says, good morning. What's up, Q? Brylark says, uh, Chris Carner, are you in the United States, or are they going to have a mortgage to mortgage the house to ship it? <laughs> no, it turns out, thankfully, Chris Carn is in uh, American – did you say American Fork? No. I Saratoga. can't remember. Saratoga Springs. Thank you. Yeah, Saratoga. Saratoga Springs. So, yeah, no problem. Do you want to set up the meeting? No problem. Oh, I hope Chris is in Australia or Russia or something. Sorry, Eric, to disappoint you. Uh, Spencer Morgan says, BYU needs uh, to hope that Cincinnati wins out and gets the playoff invite because otherwise the New Year's, New Year's Six is obligated to take the highest-ranked team in a G5 conference. There is a lot at play here. There is a lot at play here. All you can control if you're BYU is the football that you're playing. And, yes. And if you're a BYU fan, if let's say, let's just say hypothetically they win out, right? You 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 have this phenomenal season. You're a one-loss team. Let's say you win out and you don't go to a New Year's Six Bowl. That does not mean that you should be upset with BYU. That I mean, that's a great point by that commenter. You know, there are rules and there are things that that these bowl scheduling committees have to follow. So you know, I just think if you're BYU, the goal needs to be to run the table that should be the stated goal hey we're we're not the goal isn't hey let's get to a new year's six bowl right the goal needs to be before that what do we need to do to get to the thing we want so to get to the thing you want which is a new year's six bowl at this point you got to win out that's all you can do and if you're a byu yeah. fan that's what you should be looking for yep totally agree i i i think byu can only control what's what's in front of them don't worry about cincinnati don't worry about your mom just go win football games. Yeah. That's it. And I, I think I think they're in a very good position to do that because I, I think the one real landmine on their schedule is that Bronco men in all game. 
when Virginia comes to Provo, that's that's a game. That's one where leave the kids at home. Yeah. You know, like go win a football game. Um, CJ says, I like Utah game, Jaron, but I still like Baylor's BSU win two years ago and USU win this year. I'm not so much a mobile QB fan anymore because of injuries. It is what it yeah, is. And we've seen it time and time again. And this is why I always bring up like, you know, RG3 or any of the prolific college mobile quarterbacks that we've seen in the last 10 years. Yes. What happens to them? They get beat up because they're in their head. You got to remember. When you're that gifted of an athlete, in your head, you're like, okay, I can get that extra yard and a half to get that first down, even though this 235-pound linebacker who benches like 250 10 times is coming for me. And and it's like, dude, you can't try and get that extra yard and a half. You got to live to fight another day. And that's why, and, and admittedly, I was on the Jaron Hall train, and I'm not saying the guy sucks, but what I am saying is to be a one-loss team the rest of the way, Baylor's got to be the guy because Baylor – can 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 take the top off of any defense. He can he can get the ball down the field, and you have to. If you're a defense playing Baylor Romney led teams, you have to respect that. You cannot just simply say like we saw Boise State do against Jaron. Hey, we're gonna line both of our two high safeties up ten yards from the line of scrimmage, dude. If you do that against against Romney, dude, he's bombing that over your head. I mean, that's just you can just bank on that, and so that's why I think. You know, as much as this, you know, Kalani and the staff are saying, well, Jaron's the number one and we're excited to have the number one back. Like Baylor has to be, the, I think, is the guy to take you to where you want to go. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it is, it is very interesting to see how all of this will play out, you know, and it is, um, you know, when you get down to the, to the, at the end of the day, to have a seat at the table, you got to play. You got to play in in these big bowls on New Year's Day. I mean, it it is it is what it is. You yeah. know, like I I just keep you just got to win your games. Yes, you, that's the best that you can do. Uh, Blake says, with all the parity this year, the college football playoff should expand to at least twelve teams. That will happen, I think. Um, with all, let's see. Uh, Mind Axiom says Coastal Carolina would get the New York New Year's Six auto bid. BYU would need an at-large bid. Yeah, Coastal, we have so much. We're only halfway through the season. <laughs> That's the amazing You know, part. like, I mean, yeah. it, it, is, it, is, it is very difficult, nearly impossible for any college football team to go undefeated. It's, it's very difficult. And the consistency and the, the, the excellence on game day that it takes to do that, when you're asking 18 to 21 year olds to be consistently excellent or consistent at anything, you're you're it's very difficult to do. So I I personally like the the format. I think everybody wants the best teams, and of course the underdogs and BYU would be in this group of you know Cincinnati's, the Boise's, the you know you think about where Utah was when it was you know in the BCS and. All the underdogs are like, we got hosed. We should have been there. Well, you know what? You weren't. Shoulda, coulda. It is what it is. Candy's and, and nuts. Dude. And now BYU has annual access to it starting in 2024. You know, like that's why these recruiting classes are huge. So this is a big moment in time. All right, let's switch gears and talk about John Gruden in the NFL because I think this is a huge, huge moment. Um, and you know that I've been quite critical of the National Football League. I believe that um, racism is systematic in the NFL 
It is something that has been in the NFL since the beginning of its of it since its founding, really. Um, the roots of the NFL. Um, you know, I unfortunately I think there were there's a lot of racism and a lot of bias in those roots, and I don't think that we have nearly eradicated the NFL of bias and racism. Case in point, John Gruden. You know that emails came out recently between Bruce Allen of the Washington Football Club and John Gruden, who are very close friends. They worked together at the uh, Oakland Raiders back in Gruden's first term there. And I'm not going to repeat what John Gruden said in those emails because it is heinous. But he used racial stereotypes um, against the head of the uh, NFLPA. And a guy named DeMoris Smith. You can go read about it if you truly want to find them. We thought that was the end of it. We thought that was, was you know, really, that was the scandal. And so at his weekly press conference, John Gruden apologized. All I can say is I'm not a racist. I don't, uh, I can't uh, tell you how sick I am. I apologize again to, to, to D. Smith. Um, but I feel good about who I am and what I've done my entire life. And um, I apologize for the insensitive remarks. I had uh, no, uh, you know, I, I, I had no racial uh, intentions with those remarks at all. John Gruden, the former head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, and I think people had kind of left it there. The NFL was a little frustrated that nothing had been done. But John went about his press conference, talked about, you know, the loss and the Bears and the Raiders. And, Everything was fine. Yeah. You know, then after his press conference, Raider quarterback Derek Carr chimed in. He was very honest and upright with us before. You're going to have to help me on the day. But before that article came out, he, the, the morning before that article, we didn't even know about the article. He just told us exactly what he said in that email when we left that meeting it was like dang that you know that sucks man you know uh you know uh, he he probably regrets it you know he, he does he wish you know he, he taught us he told us like men learn from my mistake you know raider quarterback Derek carr okay that was it right everybody went home monday night football kicked off and then behind the scenes john gruden was given an ultimatum he essentially was told you can be fired or you can resign. Are we clear on that? And because the New York Times published an article with further emails where he used homophobic slurs, where he wondered loudly why the NFL would hire a female official, where he wondered loudly about why the NFL was concerned about player safety, So Roger Goodell leaned on Mark Davis, the owner of the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders, the son of Al Davis, who was a pioneer in racial equality and providing opportunities. Mark Davis, now the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, had no intention of firing John Gruden, had no intention of disciplining John Gruden. Then the New York Times article came out, and somewhere late in the day yesterday, Mark Davis got in his car and drove to the Raider practice facility, and he was looking for John Gruden. The two men met for a period of time, 
and John Gruden resigned. And here's my issue with it. See, John Gruden is not the problem. John Gruden's an example of the problem. He's not the problem. John Gruden, in my opinion, is a racist. John Gruden, in my opinion, is is a bigot. John Gruden, in my opinion, used language that shows you how comfortable he was. See, because the thing that a lot of people don't understand is he was writing those emails to a close friend. He was using comfortable language that he and that friend had used on a regular basis. He was so comfortable that he put it in writing. And let's not get lost in the fact that he was writing those emails to somebody that worked for the Washington Football Club, who's owned by Daniel Snyder, who is allegedly one of the biggest racists in the NFL, who has a misogynistic past, according to some allegations. But you know what Daniel Snyder doesn't have? He doesn't have email. He does not use email because he does not put things in writing. That tells you who he was writing these emails to, John Gruden. John Gruden is an example of the problem. He's not the problem. The problem with the NFL is it's owned by a bunch of rich old white men who routinely tell other people what to do and how to do it. And this is where I go back to what I originally said. The NFL's roots are are based in racism. There is a lot of racism. If you go back to the founding of the AFL, if you go back to the NFL-AFL merger, if you look at the people that started the NFL, this is all generational. This money is generational. This money, the ownership of these teams is generational. Mark Davis is the son of Al Davis. I mean, look, do the math. Look around the NFL. Look at the Hallis family in Chicago. This is all generational. And I'm telling you now that there is racism and homophobia and anti, anti-woman misogynistic beliefs in the NFL, and it's pervasive. This is the guy we know about. And something we've talked about a lot on this show, it's not usually if you get caught. When you are a racist and you hold these kinds of beliefs, it's not if you get caught. It's only a matter of time until you get caught. And when you're writing these things, the, and, and you're writing them with passion, and you're, you're insulting the head of the Players Association because of the size of his lips, and you're talking about how Roger Goodell, you know, you're using gay slurs against Roger Goodell, and you're using gay slurs against Michael Sam. And you're wondering why a woman would be hired as an official. And you're wondering why on earth are we protecting players from concussions? You don't belong in the National Football League. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I again, the best way that I can say this is this is not surprising. This is not shocking. And I will, again, point to the way this came down. Mark Davis, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, wasn't going to discipline John Gruden at all. (laughs) Which tells you, yeah, he wrote some things he shouldn't have written. He'll apologize. We'll move on. That's where Mark Davis and his awful haircut were. 
And then the NFL said, no, that's not going to be good enough. And the New York Times said, that's not going to be good enough. So I'm telling you, this is pervasive in the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I, and I think this dynamic of, of these, these, this ownership group in the NFL just, just makes for this, this cool kids club. I feel like I, I really do believe that. Like you look at, you know, again, and you just said a bunch of examples. I, I think, you know, you look at how and in, in the manner with which Colin Kaepernick was dealt with, you know, or, or, or anybody else, you know, even like the Richie Incognitos of the world or, or anybody who's had issues in the NFL with, with, with racial abuse or homophobic stuff or whatever, like it doesn't ever seem like anybody really gets held accountable if they are a rich white male. And I'm, and, and this is not just the NFL. I mean, we've had, you know, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, we've talked all about how, you know, the Bill Gates of the world or, or the Jeff Bezos of the world, all these guys who have a ton of money are white and are male just think that they can get away with anything. Listen, we elected a president in this country who doesn't pay taxes and routinely, routinely says abhorrent things about women. Grab her by the hoo-ha. We elected that guy president. It's it's normalized in this country. Yeah. And I, I just I think that this is this is particular to the NFL because I don't want this to spin off into some huge conversation. But in the NFL, I think you need to recognize that there is a problem with equality in the NFL. There are a lot of white men that don't want women officiating games that don't want gay players in the NFL that don't want DeMora Smith because he's a black man to be the head of the Players Association. There are a lot of older white millionaire, billionaire men that own teams in the NFL that don't care about players with concussions. They just want their money. And I think John Gruden is another example of that. And I think this whole thing is, has really shocked a lot of people. You know, I, I like, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I knew John Gruden as a person or as a man because I didn't. You know, I, I know John Gruden for you know, mostly for his time on Monday night football. And, and now obviously for, for the, you know, for what he was doing for the Raiders, obviously when I was a kid, he was, you know, that first round with the Raiders and with the bucks and all the great Chucky. things that he did. Yeah. Chucky. Exactly. But so that, but my point is, is I knew John Gruden, the head coach of these great teams. That's what I knew. So then to see that John Gruden is actually this kind of guy is just yet another example of, of, you know, what has to be, you know, many people's, you know, idol maybe or what was their idol or someone they looked up to. It, it, it's just really unfortunate. I feel like there's so many times in this country where we look up to these guys and then all of a sudden, oh, well, it turns out John's actually racist. So you're going to have to find a new role model or you're going to have to find a new yeah. guy to follow. And it just sucks, man. It just it just is not great. All right, uh, Blake says, if people don't think there isn't equality in sports, they need to take a closer look. For instance, it wasn't until 2020 that MLB uh, counted Negro League baseball statistics as official stats. Um, Larry Pilgrim, your comments have been filtered by YouTube, so I don't know what you said. Yeah, again, for all the new people, I know we say this all the time. Sorry to be repetitive for the usual listeners, but we don't do the filtering on the comments. YouTube does that. It has an automated system. Uh, I don't know why you feel the need to say because that because I think it matters. <laughs> I think I think people I think I want people to understand that we're not out here like just muting people based on our opinions. Yeah. Uh, Brylark says racism is still alive and well in the U.S. We definitely 
had a rare large flare-up in the last few years as well. It's going to take centuries, a century or two for this problem to be solved. Well, I don't, I don't know that it's ever solved because I just don't think it's a, hey, white guy hates black guy thing. I, I don't think that's what this is. I think, I, I, I think we too easily assume that, well, if we're talking about racism, it's usually a white guy hating a black guy. Well, your color of your skin doesn't matter. You can be Latino, white, black, Asian, I mean, whatever you are, and you can be racist. If you're a Latino and you judge white people with a broad brush, doesn't that make you a racist? Or if you're black or if you're white or, I mean, racism is not a, a uniquely white guy problem. I mean, it is, it's across all, all nationalities and all ethnic groups. Um, William Glade says, why are people so shocked when they hear these stories? This happens in sports all at all levels. This has been part of sports. It has always existed. It's slowly started to change. Yeah. And I, I think this is the, like in the NFL, this is the problem with the Rooney rule. So who's the token black candidate this year? That, I mean, that's what the Rooney rule has created. It hasn't created equality. Now, I, I think most, most leadership in the NFL will tell you especially most black leadership will tell you that black men getting opportunities to interview for head coaching positions is, is really important because even if it's just an experience to go through that process is really important because it prepares you when you may actually have an opportunity to get that job. So I, I do think that's important. BYU fan CJ says even uh, some that get caught only lose some pay and promise of a head coaching job but still have a job to this day. I wonder how much money the Raiders paid John Gruden to walk away. I, I mean, they owed him. I think Sports Center said they owed him six years and $60 million. Yeah. I wonder how much of that he got to resign. Because you can't tell me John Gruden's like, yeah, I'll just walk away from that $60 million. Somehow, someway, I got to believe that that – there was a settlement there. Yeah. Uh, Brylark said this actually might be good for the Raiders as far as football goes. Gruden tr traditionally starts hot and doesn't continue to develop his team and stalls out. Yeah. I mean, I think football is very secondary. Yeah. Um, I have no idea where they'll go for a head coach because Mike Mayock, I think, has actually done. John and John and Mike Mayock had formed a formidable partnership, um, and John really. You know, as Adam Schefter said this morning, John was the head of a billion-dollar organization. Yeah. You know, that's what an NFL team is. Yeah. John had full control of personnel and had the final say on all player development. So they had put together a very nice group of talent there. So I'm curious who becomes the next head coach. And I have to think that Mike Mayock rises through the rank there um, to the head of the player development and procurement tree. I mean, you would you would think anyway. Larry Pilgrim says, uh, I was born in Mississippi. I said nothing that should have been filtered. Okay, well, bring it up with YouTube. Uh, Blake5785 says, I lost respect for Gruden when he left RG3 uh, in during a preseason game at Washington, and he was getting eaten alive, leading to a season-ending injury. Do you mean Jay Gruden? Yeah, I think that. Jay Gruden confusing. is John Gruden's brother and is the former head coach of the Washington football team. Um, Sir Robin says BYU can still save this season if they don't panic. Sure, NY6 is probably out, but you don't throw up your hands and give up, not after all the great things that have been happening. Well, that and the fact that you're recruiting and building a program and building depth and you're dominating the state of Utah in recruiting. Um, you flipped another Utah recruit to BYU. Like, I mean, 
yeah, this is pretty – there's no such thing as throwing your hands up. Yeah. Giggity says the NFL did the correct thing by forcing the Raiders' hand, but will the NFL do the same thing when a player is in the same situation? Who admits to being born in Mississippi? I applaud you, Larry Pilgrim. What's wrong with Mississippi? I mean, other than the fact you can't spell it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Mississippi. <laughs> Eric B. Enemy to Las Vegas. That's the first thing I thought of last night. I mean, where will he land? Will he be in the pro ranks, the college ranks? Where will he go? Well, I wonder I wonder how much pressure the Raiders will feel to hire a black head coach. I I, mean, I think there's going to be significant yeah. Pl- pressure. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. I wonder I wonder, we'll see. We will see. I mean, I I think Mark Davis only fired John Gruden because he would have been suspended indefinitely by the NFL. And I think they would have not allowed him to coach again. Yeah, and I, and I think that – and that maybe might be the worst thing here. I mean, you know, regardless of what John said and, and did in those emails, like the fact that – the fact that Davis is not like, yeah, we need to get rid of this guy. Like with all – like it is John Gruden with all due respect to what you've done. Like you've done worse, you know, and, and, and we're not going to let that that stand. And, and, and that to me – See, that to me is the biggest problem. Like, you know, when you ask that question, like, will there be pressure on them to hire a black head coach? Let's let's not even get to that point yet. I mean, shouldn't we be saying that 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 Mark Davis made a mistake here? Shouldn't like the mistake was you shouldn't have let him resign. You should have fired him like you should have made a point like, hey, we're the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, you're we stand for something higher than than that. Well, I think a relation and, and I agree with you. He should have been fired. Yeah. But this goes again to privilege. Right. And Mark Davis club. said to John Gruden, yeah, why don't you resign? Let me give you an opportunity to resign so you can apologize. And John Gruden released a statement and said, yeah, I'm resigning because I don't want to be a distraction. I love the Las Vegas Raiders. You should have been fired. But and Mark Davis feel- should have released a statement saying John Gruden's behavior is disgusting. And it is, you know, the way John Gruden spoke in those emails is not consistent with the, the, the thoughts and the beliefs and the operational infrastructure of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I feel like they let him go out on a positive. Instead they of did. An, like, you, you, you let him off the hook for, like, you didn't hold him accountable. Like by, allowing, like, by allowing him to resign and put out a statement and and create some sort of settlement behind the scenes that no one's ever going to know about. Like, you let this kind of, like, fizzle out in a nice way. And, and, yeah. and I guess, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just have trouble with that. I feel like... You know, like if you're watching ESPN this morning or any any talk show like ours or whatever, everyone's talking about like what John said and how much of an issue it is. And and, you know, this this sucks and everything. But the real question to me really has to be, you know, cool. The NFL put pressure on Mark Davis to to get John out of there. But what is the NFL going to do about the actual league and equality and like getting guys like the enemy a head coaching job when he should have had one five years ago at this point? Like that to me is is really where where the the progress has to be made. Yeah, I just don't think that you can I don't know, man. It's tough. I don't know how you fix you don't fix racism. You don't fix racism. Cuz I I don't think anybody that tells you that anybody that tells you that racism is fixed doesn't understand racism. Yeah. Or says that, you know, racism doesn't exist. And, you know, I see comments about white privilege. Or I, Hey, man, that's cool. Uh, that Maybe that's a different show. 
But I'm telling you right now, the Raiders let John Gruden off easy. Yeah. And that was the wrong thing to do. So it is what it is. John Gruden, who was the Raiders, thought he was, and they let him off the hook. Yeah. Um, I would agree. John Gruden was the Raiders. I mean, he was a face of that franchise. There's no doubt about that. The NFL is unfortunately an insider circle, Greg Hawkins says. The closer you are to the people that matter, the more likely you are to get a good job. Great yes. coaches are left out all the time. Yes, they are. Yes. You guys might be Joe Ingles haters, but I admire how you hold people to account or, um, f- on morally poor behavior. Good for you. Thank you. Um, well, we're not the only ones. as You guys are about to find out in about five minutes here or whatever. Oh, but. well. Yeah, I, yeah. Hmm. Um, Jeremy Bolton wants to know if we're going to talk about the Jazz, Jake. Well, yes, we will, Jeremy. All right, let's switch gears and talk about the Utah Jazz. Um, who cares? They played a preseason game that's insignificant and means absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> like Jeremy literally said, are we going to talk about how good the Jazz looked last night? It's the preseason. Oh, but the passing and... Did you see Rudy's knee braces? They were so neat. Preseason guy. Nobody cares. Not yet. We're not there yet. By the way, what channel was the game on? I don't remember either. Um, it took me like 20 minutes to find the channel the game was on. It's annoying. It, it, it is. And, and this is we're not getting into this, but just really quick. It pisses me off that major teams struggle with with putting out their product. By the way. By the way, it should be said, and I think it was Fubal TV or whatever that's called. Um, Fubo. Fubo, whatever that yeah. mother F it's called. Yeah. Um, they are Fubo, F-U-B-O, F-U-B-O, Fubo TV. Um, has a deal to stream Utah Jazz games as they are partnering with AT&T Sportsnet. So you can now get AT&T Sportsnet on Fubo TV. Neat. Mm. Cool. That means absolutely nothing to nine out of 10 people. <laughs> because nine out of 10 people, Fubo TV is cool, man. It's, it's a soccer channel. It's a soccer app. That's what most people know it for. I've used it to watch Chelsea Football Club. So good luck getting the jazz on Fubo like, that's TV. That's the best you could do. And by the way, who's going to pay for that? Not me. Who's going to pay? It, like, that's exactly my point. I, you're already paying for AT&T Sportsnet. You're already paying for cable, or in my case, I pay for DirecTV because I'm smart and I want the best TV experience. <laughs> um, so I have DirecTV. I'm not paying for Fubo TV. This is not a solution. Yeah. And... I'm telling that this is I guess this is good for AT&T, you know, but beyond the fact that AT&T is a shitbag company. Yeah. Um, you know, by the way, if you don't watch John Oliver last week tonight, AT&T is responsible for OAN. So that should tell you all you need to know about AT&T. Um, but Fubo TV is neat, man. This is not. Now, a year from now, if the Jazz don't have a better TV deal, I damn near may not talk about them on this show because this is not a solution. And I have to believe that Ryan Smith has a TV deal in the works. Yeah. Have to believe I it. I just don't know how you, you're an NBA team and you don't have one. Like, you know, it's, yeah. There's just no way, in my opinion, 
that you can pick up another, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month for Fubo TV. I don't know what it is right now. It's been quite a while since I I'd rather pay for League Pass. Let me be honest. I'd rather pay for NBA League Pass on DirecTV. I'd rather watch every other team in the league on a nightly basis than just pay for the Jazz. Yeah. And that's just the truth of it. Yeah. Uh, Brylark says, I just do Hulu, Hulu with uh, live TV. Haven't missed anything I've wanted to watch. Yeah. Where do you guys – tell me how you guys get TV. Are you DirecTV, Dish, AT&T, Cable? Um, are you YouTube TV? How many of you cut the cord? Get that in the comments. Uh, and if you're on the audio podcast, shoot me a note on Twitter. I would love to know how everybody gets TV. You can find me on Twitter, The Monty Show, M-O-N-T-Y, The Monty Show. No one's even heard of Fubo TV. It's a disaster. Yeah, that's Don't, what I'm saying. Yeah, it. I, I, I think calling this a disaster is a little strong. It's just not a solution. It's not it, It's not a solution for 9 out of 10 jazz fans. It, it isn't. The market for TV in this country is so broken. Thanks, FCC. Truth. And then there's the jazz. Um, they won a game last night, and much to Jeremy Bolton's point, my God, they were, I mean, can you believe it? I, wow, amazing, shing, bing, bang, nice. 127-96 to 96 over the New Orleans Pelicans. Right. Um, Zion Williamson last night. Oh, wait, he didn't play. Brandon Ingram last night. Oh, wait, my bad. Um uh daniel graham last night you don't know who that is um this is a nice win in the pre congratulations you got your first win of the season there we go hey you got your first this meant great nothing. job finding the silver lining dude stop it this meant nothing it meant absolutely nothing two and a half games that that's it that's it by the way did anybody see that jared that did you see that three three ball by jared butler did you see that? Oh, wait, he didn't play either. So, wait, who did play? <laughs> Your mom. Um, I like <laughs> I'm this. Yeah, this game meant absolutely nothing. But what Tony Jones said. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get the piece of paper out. What Tony Jones said to the hardwood knock. Is that correct? Yes. The hard knocks of hardwood knocking uh, podcast uh, was pretty significant. Here's Tony Jones talking uh, on the hardwood knock podcast about injuries in the Utah Jazz. I'm probably the most worried about Joe Ingles because I've seen past two or three what? years, he hasn't looked fresh in the playoffs. He hasn't looked fresh in the postseason. So if I'm the Jazz, I'm probably going to be, you know, really careful with him this year. I, what? It gets better. Wait, it gets better. What? It gets better. Here we go. You, you guys ready? You ready? You no, know, soft tissue injuries are soft tissue injuries. And when they start happening in the 30... 30, 30 year olds, you know, hamstrings, hamstrings at the wrong time. That's something that 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 you have to be worried about. So if I'm the Jazz, especially with Jared Butler, having Jared Butler this year, I'm going to be really careful with Mike Conley. Like if I were the Jazz, I might not even play Mike Conley in back to backs this year. Well, well. So wait, wait. I mm. thought we were the only ones who hated on the Jazz. I thought I thought that. Wait, that's not hating. He's just speaking facts. Yeah. Wow, look at all you YouTube TV viewers. Chris Carnes, a YouTube TV guy. Uh, live TV. Uh, Timon Scott says Hulu with live TV here too. Nice. How is Rudy's three-point shot developing? Giggity wants to know. Okay, wait. Tony ah. Tony Jones isn't done. Now, Tony, I and I don't I think Tony listens to our show, but whatever. So, uh, let Tony Jones know that we are fire, filing a copyright lawsuit 
uh, against Tony for stealing what we say about Rudy Gobert word for word? Well, I mean, the thing that you that you obvi- that you look at on an obvious perspective is the very next series, Phoenix played the Clippers out of that small lineup because what? they did that with DeAndre Eight. They said, okay, if you're going to put Nick Batum or Terrence Mann or whoever, you know, uh, on on Aiton, we're going to throw Aiton the ball and he's going to score and he's going to go to he's going to go to the offensive boards and he's he's going to do a number of things. And that's the thing with what happened with um, with with the Jazz against the Clippers. It, it wasn't Rudy Gobert. It was the fact that the other four guys around Rudy couldn't stay in front of anybody. Okay, so I want to say that he's reading from a transcript of this here program. What did we tell you? What do we always say about Rudy Gobert? Well, Rudy's a great defensive player, but really what the Clippers did was pull Rudy away from the basket because the other guys can't move laterally. Boyan Bogdanovich. Bryce O'Neal. Joe Ingles. Well, well, Joe Ingles isn't defending because he's living rent-free in Paul George's head. But anyway, the point is, um, when you don't have Rudy Gobert in the paint and guys can't keep their man in front of them, mm. right? Mm. And when you can't throw Rudy the ball and say, hey, go get me a basket, right? So his point there, Tony Jones, from the Hardwood Knock podcast was, hey, look what the Phoenix Suns did. They threw the ball to DeAndre Ayton, one of the most skilled bigs in the NBA, who's got a 15-footer, who's got the ability to roll to the basket, who can dribble, who can – do everything that Rudy can't do offensively. That's how you beat the Clippers. So I'll just go back to what I said about Rudy Gobert again. You want to know if the Jazz are going to win a championship? Where's Rudy Gobert's 15-foot jump shot? Where's Rudy Gobert's ability to post up, dribble the ball, and score? Because we're not seeing that. Yeah. And last night was really, you know, it he, it was the same old Rudy. Oh, look at the lob, Donovan. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. Rudy, oh, man, he finished the league. Like, I think it was Bowler last night was like, oh, he finished the you know, top of the league in field goal percentage. My mom could finish top of the league at field goal percentage if she was only dunking. This team has to show two things. Can they stay healthy, and can Rudy Gobert be trusted offensively? That's it. That's it. That's it. And if they can stay healthy, they're going to be better defensively. Because if Mike Conley stays healthy and isn't hurt in the playoffs, oh, wait, water's wet and Mike Conley's going to be hurt in the playoffs. Right? I agree with Tony on the Hardwood Knock podcast. Mm -hmm. They should not play Mike Conley in back-to-backs this year. Yeah. Should just wear Jared Butler out. Yep. He is clearly ready to go. Anybody see Trent Forrest bounce his head off the floor last night? Dude, that was gnar. So I'm just telling you, this team has a history of injuries, and they're going to have to get over that. Rudy Gay, already hurt, surgery in his, on his heel, for something that he says has been bothering him for years. So let's sign with the Jazz and get surgery. Seems smart. <laughs> it makes me crazy. It makes me, I like, it yeah. makes me crazy. Uh, James Knight says he's making reference to the need to load manage, which is where Butler comes in. Not make Jingles cover for Conley being injured. Well, he's not going to be able to cover for Conley because the Jazz are going to trade him. They're going to trade Joe Ingles. <laughs> I'm telling you. Have they picked up his option uh, yet? Uh, it, man. Well, dude. 
I'm just being. I'm not. I'm not saying you're hating. You're being. You're. I agree with what you're saying. I just think it's. Listen, dude. We can. You can sit here and defend like Joe Ingles and and what Joe is doing and everything. The fact is, is he's in his mid thirties. He's past his prime. In this team, the other thing that nobody's talking about is next year. This team, uh, really cannot be in a place where they're where they're paying a ton of luxury tax again because their percentage goes up. So. So right now, the other thing, and, and we don't have it, but uh, when I was listening to this pod last night, the other thing Tony Jones was talking about is, is hey, dude, like like this team, it has to be this year or or it's going to be very difficult for them moving forward financially to keep doing this. And, and we told you guys this. If you remember, and you can go find the videos on our channel from, I mean, what was it? Like I think it was like June-ish maybe or something like that when we were talking about, you know, the draft and, and what they were going to do with this team and all the trades and everything. Like, like you got to understand, money-wise, this team is doing it for this year. That's why you brought Conley back on the two-year deal. Because next year, you're not going to have Jingles and Bogey and, and all these guys who are mid-30 players who are trying to get the job done for you. It is now uh, or never for this particular core on this team. Yeah, I think the Jingles, Bogey... Royce triplets. I think that time's coming to an end. I mean, if you're going to win a championship, that championship will be won at the trade deadline. Yeah. You're going to have to make moves. And I, I don't think anybody doubts that right now, you know, the addition of guys like Eric Pascal, um, you know, if you look at, I mean, your starting five is going to be the same, right? I think most of us agree that um, Royce, Bogey, um, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, and Donnan are going to be your starting five. Yeah. And it's a matter of, okay, well, how many minutes do they play? A, I'm just curious why you're playing Donovan Mitchell 30 minutes in the preseason. Just my opinion. Um, but it seems like guys like Hassan Whiteside are going to get major minutes. That That would be a guy that I'd be surprised if he didn't play 15 minutes a night. Yeah, I think, you know, that dynamic, what you're going to see, and, and Quinn has started to do this more, you're going to see Conley and Gobert versus the bench of the other team when they're playing that other team because he wants to try and take advantage of that pick-and-roll dynamic. Yes. And when the starters come back, you're going to get, you know, the, the traditional five from the Jazz, but I think you're also going to get a lot of, depending on the team they're playing, you're going to get a lot of Hassan Whiteside on the floor with the starting group, depending on the matchup. Like, if they're playing a team that's got a mobile big who's really running like a Zubats or an Aiton or something like that, you're going to see a lot of Hassan Whiteside. I'm just telling you now. Yeah. When you're playing a smaller team, then I think you'll see more Gobert. You'll see you'll see that. So I think I think Quinn is just going to play matchups all, all season long. Yeah. How, how confident are you that Rudy Gobert is going to be a better offensive player this year? Not very confident. Mainly, and it's not a criticism of him at all. I think... When you go to the Olympics and you do what he did this summer, I mean, it's just you don't have, you know, months to develop a jump shot. And that's frankly what you need. I mean, think about it. You're talking about th this isn't a guy who is, you know, a six five wing who just, you know, just came into the league and didn't have a jumper. Right. This is a big this is a guy who I think he what is he seven two. Right. I mean, you're talking about a massive human being trying to shoot a really small basketball or what feels like a tennis ball in his yeah. hand. So it's not easy to just develop a jumper. But what I am saying is that you look at other guys in the league who are his size and who have developed a jumper, 
That's why he doesn't have an excuse, and that's why I hold him accountable to not having a jumper or really any kind of offensive game because we've seen time and time again bigs in the NBA over, you know, again, over the last 30 years, there's plenty of bigs who have who have come in without a jumper and have developed that over their first several seasons. And on top of that, well, to, I'd make, agree with that. to make matters worse, this is a Euro big. This is not an American-born big. So Euro bigs typically come to the league with the jump shot, with the offensive skills, because the Euro game is not physical. The Euro game is technical. The Euro game is team-based, which is why you got to have that jumper. So that's why it's even more surprising Rudy doesn't have that. Yeah. I think this is a top-five team in the Western Conference. Yeah. And I will just maintain... And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that come June, everybody's like, oh, told you, fat ass. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think they'll win a championship with Rudy Gobert on the roster. Fair enough. I don't. Yeah. And I'm probably wrong about that. Again, I'm rooting for myself to be wrong about that because Jazz fans deserve a championship. Well, it's, it's been a long haul. Good. I mean, it's good. It's better for our show when they're good. We oh, want no them question. To be good. Like, no it's question. Not, and this is what we always say. Like, you're going to get the truth about everything we talk about here. We're not going to give you a a we're not going to give you a only positive or only negative take. But yeah, but when we're talking about players and their games and their shortcomings that end up costing you a championship. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a, a, a pretty good amount. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Brylark says, I would love nothing more than to watch Rudy go 3 of 12 from the floor in preseason, but be trying to practice something new offensively in an in-game situation. So exactly. would I. So would I. I'd love to see him struggle all preseason long trying to learn a jump shot. Let me ask this question. Why is it that we get the jokes about, oh, it's, it's Rudy, Mike Conley, and some other player taking three-point shots together in practice? Why are you practicing a three, Rudy Gobert? Why are the Jazz allowing him to practice three-point shots? That's not what they need him to do. Yeah. I want to see you stand at the elbow and either get, because his arms are just so damn long, he can probably, from the elbow on an NBA floor, just push shot that to the rim. Or, yeah, a traditional jumper. Like, that's all you need. And I'm not saying you got to have a handle to get to that jumper. All I really need you to be able to do is come up to the top of the key, Set a pick for Donovan, and when you're rolling, just read what your man is doing. Is your man collapsing to go and take away Donovan's opportunity to lay up? Great. Let's either roll or stop and pop at the elbow. That's all he's got to do. That's it. But let me ask you, who on this, who on this Utah Jazz roster is a championship-caliber player? Well, Don, obviously. I think Don, I, I think Don, honest to God, I think Don's the only one. I think... I think Bogey can be a championship caliber player as a role I, player. As a role player, I think I think with what they ask him to do on this team, it's a bit much. But I think if you're asking Boyan Bogdanovich to run corner to corner or wing to wing, and you're asking him to just knock down his shots, take eight threes a game, and make five of them if he can, he's a championship caliber player because his defense is good enough, provided the matchup is is not Paul George or an elite individual score. You know, when you think about it. And this is, I would encourage you to, to have this perspective when you're listening to anybody in the sports world talk sports. Notice what we're not saying, right? What do we talk about with Bogey all the time? Hey, that wrist is really bothering him. He's really struggling to make his threes. But then You guys don't watch jazz games. But then he'll pop off for 50, right? <laughs> That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about how he struggles on defense because he doesn't struggle on defense. But the Bogey wrist thing is a perfect example. We got crushed. We're not we. I got crushed last year. Saying, you no, know, he's always pulling at that wrist. He's always playing with that wrist. He's always. Mm -hmm. And people are like, you're making, you're just making stuff up. 
And then it turns out the wrist was a very painful thing that Bogey dealt with last year. And what did, when, when did he say that? The first day of media availability of this season. Yes. <laughs> like, it's not like if you just watch the games. I mean, it's not like, again, full transparency, dude. We don't have credentials to Jazz games. We can't go for free to as many games as we want, right? We are not Tony Jones. We are not anybody. We're not Andy Larson or any of these other folks who, who cover the Jazz, right? So for us, what do we do? We go to probably what? 10 games a year? Yeah, you say? something like, like that. Like 10, 12 games a year at home at, at Viv. And then we watch every other game. So we can see when he's pulling at that wrist. We can see when it's clearly bothering him. You can tell by the, the by the ball flight when he's shooting when that wrist is good and when it's not good. And I just think, I think Bogey can be a championship player. He is, to, if, let me put it this way. He's not the problem on this roster. He's not the guy you look at and you're like, well, he's a problem. Right? Is he a trade chip? Absolutely. If you want to, if you want to get value back, you could trade him. But I wouldn't trade him. I think he's a valuable asset to the team. The guy that's a, that's a quote unquote big air quotes issue, if you want to use that word, is Ingles because he's older and he's declining, but he still has value, and that's why I agree with you. I do think they're going to move him. I really do, and it's not that he sucks or that that we hate Joe Ingles. But you got to understand, this team is on championship or bust mode right now. Who's upgradable? Yes. Yes. Joe Ingles and, and Royce O'Neal. 100% are upgradable. By far are, are upgradable. Calvin Johnson says the Jazz lost to the Clippers because, among other things, they were outcoached. Snyder's inability to change his script was exposed. See, this 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 narrative is trash, dude. Like, So what yeah. did you want Quinn Snyder to do differently? What did you want him to do? They tried to play zone. They got beat badly in zone. They... Tried to play Derek Favors. He just had no gas left in the tank. The roster construction was handicapping them, I mean, tremendously. What did you want Quinn Snyder to do? What did you want Quinn Snyder to do? What was? Think about it this way. What was that, game six, the Terrence Mann game? Was that game six, I think? I could be wrong. Sure. The but let's just refer to it as a Terrence Mann game, where he makes all these threes out of the corner. You got to understand, going into that game, they had that conversation. Hey, what are we going to do to protect the paint or mitigate the three? Like, which route do we want to go? It is a fork in the road. You got to understand that. Are we taking away the three or are we protecting the paint? And by the way, if I said to you, well, you're going to play the Clippers and Terrence Mann's going to beat you. You And hey, by the way, Kawhi Leonard's going to get hurt and miss half the series. Paul George is going to be their best player, but Terrence Mann is ultimately going to beat you. You'd have been like, okay, cool. I'm good with that. I think most people would have said, no, you're crazy. You're crazy. Terrence Mann beat you. You can't stop everybody. It's the NBA, man. Yeah. There's seven guys on every team who can beat you. That's the, and, and that's the thing that like this goes, this is the old Laker axiom. Give me the Phil Jackson. Uh, a lot of people have talked about, give me seven guys that can beat anybody. Yeah. Give me seven guys. The Jazz didn't have seven guys. I'm not convinced they have seven guys right now. No. But the Lakers have seven guys. The Clippers have seven guys. Look at the difference between Derek Favors and Nick Batum. That's a huge difference. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Your backup big was Derek Favors, who was really limited and can't really defend. He had no place in the Clippers series. You couldn't play him against Davica Zubats. You couldn't play him against Nick Batum because Nick Batum's big and shoots well and he moves. 
Like you, you were the roster construction was so limiting last year, which is why you basically made wholesale changes. You brought in Whiteside, Eric Pasco. I think Eric Pasco is a huge part of this of this roster. Never mind him and Donovan are very close. His skill set brings you a lot of diversity that you didn't have on this team. Screw you guys. I'm going to the Brooklyn podcast. LOL. Says James Knight. James Knight. Sure, yeah, exactly. Jordan McDonald says the jazz are going to have a great regular season, but I don't know about the playoffs. I would be satisfied with the Western conference finals appearance. See, and this is what we always talk about. What is, and this is what's really hard, man. I feel like the jazz are in a place where, where they're good enough to obviously be a playoff team. Nobody doubts that. The problem is, is you're not good enough to get to the finals, even though oh. this has to be your year financially. Because I'm telling you, next year, you can't be a repeat uh, luxury taxpayer. It crushes you financially. So they're going to have to make tough decisions. Yeah. Yep. Much like not taking your condom off. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears to non-sports because we're uh, short on the clock today. Okay. So, yeah, there's a new law in California Uh-oh. that says it is essentially sexual assault if while fornicating with another woman, I guess it would be a human. Yes. While fornicating with another human, if you remove a condom without their consent, it is sexual assault. What's an erection? Agree or disagree, Jake? Agree, 100%. I think that... I think that if you start having sex with somebody and you're wearing a condom and then in the middle of that, somehow you and in the terminology, the, the term for this is called stealthing, which I'd never heard of before, but it's called stealthing. So if you're in the middle of getting it on and you getting t- it, yeah, on, if you're in the middle of, you know, I'm making whoopee. Yeah. You know, if you're in the middle of it and you take protection off without telling the other person, I agree that's sexual assault because you're doing something that they haven't approved of or consented to without them knowing like that is, that's just as simple as it gets in my opinion. Okay. I think this law is incredibly difficult to enforce on its face and on principle. I, I would much agree if, if you are a woman and you are having your garden fertilized (laughs) and the gentleman takes off, his condom without your knowledge or consent. Okay, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. How are you going to enforce this? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult too. It's because doesn't it become a he said she said? Isn't that what this is? I think so. And I think it's very difficult to. And this is the problem. And this is largely a female problem. It is very difficult to have equality in matters of sex. Yeah, very difficult. It, it is, it is just, it's not the way it is, but it is what it is. Philosophically, it's wrong. In actual practice, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I don't agree with it, but I, I don't like it rather, but you can't disagree with it. Women are at a disadvantage sexually in this country. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I want to talk about this gym story in a minute. Yeah. But. Women at the gym are are oftentimes ridiculous. And so I just say this law is incredibly difficult to enforce. And then there's another California law. Mm-hmm. I would ask you about condoms, but I think you would go way over the line. 
And I don't want to expose our listeners to your being exposed while putting on a concert. That sounds like a lot of exposure. By the way, what happened with the girl who ghosted you on Sunday? Um, texting her on and off. The the teacher wants to hang out tonight. So let me get this right. We didn't have like a it was a tentative thing. Let me get this right. Here we go. Here we go. You guys are Yeah, yeah I know what time it is. You guys are supposed to get coffee on Sunday. Uh-huh. She completely blew you off. Mm-hmm. So you went back for more? I didn't go back for more. What is that even like? What do you mean? So you're still talking to her? Yeah. You're an idiot. Okay, thanks. You just don't learn from the, the past. When, a, when the woman you broke up with over text. Mm-hmm. He broke up with you over text message? After living with her and she was engaged to you. Mm-hmm. You were not engaged Me. to her. She was engaged to you. So get your facts straight. She tore up their, your, your condo that you shared when you, you know. Right. Anyway. Yeah. So uh-huh. she did not choose to go on a date with you. First off, she canceled, I believe, on multiple dates with you, right? No, I think it was just on one. Okay. And what did I tell you? Nope. Done. Uh, this is a bad idea. It's not going to work out. You net, when, it, when somebody doesn't value you mm-hmm. enough to follow through, you don't go back and say, hey, can you devalue and disrespect me again? <laughs> okay. Because that's, but no, I'm serious. Uh-huh. That's what you're doing. Right. So this girl, you had a uh, you had a tentative plan to meet for coffee on Sunday. Yes, a tentative plan. And she never calls you, never messaged you, nothing. Mm-hmm. So then what happened? So then she reached out and was like, "Hey, the weekend was crazy. Uh, you know, sorry about that. Would still love to meet you." Nope. You know. Okay. You can't do. I'm I'm just telling you, you can't then, do it. But then, if that's the case, stop giving me a, a hard time about not meeting people or not like. You I know. don't give you a hard time. I don't give you a hard time. Okay, what do you do? I give you the truth. Okay. You're okay. wasting your time in life. Okay. Spinal. Yeah, well, okay. Well, I mean, you might feel like you're getting bent over, but you need to be bent yourself. Back anyway. is broken. Yeah. <laughs> See, what happened was, I'm not giving you a hard time about it. I'm telling you, uh-huh. you're 39 years old now. Uh-huh. Okay? You need a cougar. Right. You need a cougar. Right. Um, I'm telling you, you need to be out in the world, you know, Testing the condom laws. What's up, motherfuckers? Yeah. <laughs> you need to be out. Okay, I don't know why you played that drop, but you need to be out in the world testing the condom drops. I'm just telling you, you need to be out meeting people and dating. And Yeah, I know. But this girl blew you off, and you're going to go out on a date with her. I don't have anything scheduled. I could easily, you know, give her the ghosting treatment. Greg Hawkins. Here we go, Greg. Greg. If she blew you off... Then drop her and don't look back. Okay. I will then. I will then. Teacher is starting to sound like a fall season fling. Well, they'd have to actually like be in person to have a fling. Oh, she wants to hang out tonight. Mm. She wants to actually come over tonight. The question is, will you hang it out tonight? I don't know. Remains to be seen. So what do you mean she wants to come over? She, she wants to come over and have dinner and watch a movie on Netflix. So I don't know where that goes. But, you're, gonna, you're gonna shower? Uh, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Yeah. Gotta be prepared. Spencer Morgan says Monty is right. This is an impo- This is impossible to enforce in criminal courts. There's a burden of evidence. Yeah. And in most situations where this would happen, there are no witnesses other than the plaintiff. Exactly right. Exactly. He said she. Uh, said. Jeremy says Jake's just all about that action, boss. Yep. That's exactly right. Good. 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 Spencer Morgan says, so unless you want to throw out your entire foundation of criminal law, presuming innocence until a high burden of evidence is met, 
This law is dumb. <laughs> James Knight says, anything with a heartbeat, Jake. Yeah, I know. Giggity says, you need to tell the teacher it needs to be a hangout with the <laughs> wang out. <laughs> hangout uh... with the wang out. <laughs> um, look, I'm telling you, you, you just, and I don't know why. You like there's things you do that I just don't understand. I know. You constantly put your your wang in a buzzsaw uh -huh. because you just won't hold yourself at a higher standard. Mm -hmm. You can never ever be second, ever, mm -hmm. ever. Right. When you haven't even met somebody and they're like, "Yeah, the weekend, you know." So if you if I've off. never met somebody, how can I how can how can I hold her accountable to making me first? Uh, by not ever talking to her again. Okay. You had a plan on Sunday and she chose something and everything else. Mm -hmm. You're better than that. You're worth more than that. Okay. I'll block her, dude. I'll block her. I'm not telling you to block her. Yes, you I'm are. just you're telling, telling you. You're telling me you and everybody else are saying that I should let her go and leave her behind. So yes. I will. I don't have any, like, I don't have any, okay. you know, um, I, how do you describe it? Uh, connection or like, you know, uh, obsession to keep her around or something. How to find someone who respects themselves. And that includes their own word. <laughs> that's, I don't know, what is it? Was that? That's Greg Hawkins. Don't just pursue her. Just don't pursue her. Spencer says you don't need to do something proactive or pretty petty like blocking her. Yeah. yeah. Don't answer. It's yeah. over. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's done. Cool. Guess I'll uh, get back on on match that hasn't done dick for me. Okay. I don't know what your phallic symbol has to do with this, but my point is, I just want you to learn from the past. You're terrible at that. Mm -hmm. You tend to make the same mistake several times, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to women. Okay. Do you agree with that or no? Um, I mean, I'll never make the mistake I made in Phoenix again. I can tell you that. Which was? Which was moving in too soon going against my instincts like you know accepting things you knew like just ignoring red flags everywhere yeah. you know I, I made mistakes it is what it is dude like you know it yeah. happened yeah i agree treat him mean keep him keen jake wow what it wait what was that james knight says treat him mean keep him keen okay i'm gonna do that never date from a desperate desperation mindset well see here's my problem though here's my problem I'm not desperate at all. In fact, I'm probably way too comfortable with where I'm at. That's the thing. Like, I just, you know. <laughs> Sir Robin says, don't dump her. Just invite another girl and invite them both in. James it's quite simple, so I don't know why motherfuckers be overcomplicating. Right? James Knight says, okay, maybe don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so the teacher. Yeah. Let's recap the teacher. Literally, she texted me uh, this morning. What'd she say? What'd she say here? She said, she's like, are you available? Or she texted me last night. She's like, are you available tomorrow? I'd like to see you. And I was like, I can make myself available. Yes, it's good. And she was like, great. I'm thinking something chill. Maybe dinner and watch a watch uh, and watch a movie. Squid game. So there you go. So the question is, you know, obviously she's coming over to my place because she lives with her sister and I'm not about to go over there. So coming over to my place means that I got to make dinner and stuff. So what should I make? That's a question. What's a good like tacos? Um... Here's the other problem for you right now. Yeah. How do I say this comfortably? Your cooking skills have eroded. Okay. You need to pick your cooking game up. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, so what was the last thing I cooked that you don't like or didn't like? I don't know. It's just a feeling I have in general. You just need to you, step your game up. You know what I mean? Like, okay. yeah. You disagree with that? Yeah, I don't think I'm a bad cook. I think I'm a pretty pretty good cook. Overall. I didn't say you're a bad cook. I said okay, that your you didn't cooking say, skills. Okay. See, this is what you do, though. Your cooking skills have degraded. So you're saying I'm a bad cook. No, I didn't say that. Okay, well, then what are you saying? I, I, I'm not saying you're a bad cook. <laughs> well, what are you saying then? Like, Isn't that the same thing? No, no, you're not as good as of a cook as you used to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as good as I was when I worked at St. Mark's Hospital over in uh, Murray. Like, you know, like I, I'm not even mad. I just think it's funny. Well, your cooking skills have degraded. I don't know. Is but... she a vegetarian? No, she okay. loves a good burger. Okay, well, feed her the meat. Then. What, do you want to, <laughs> what do you want me to say? If she likes burgers, make hey, the, make that hell a burger. Keep her grass fed, if you know what I mean. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm you know, I mean that that's you know. Okay, what do you want to oh, macaroni and cheese? <laughs> Fucking asshole! Like that, I like. I'm a man. So she wants to cook dinner together. She didn't say that, but that's my feeling. Yes. She didn't specifically say, hey, I'd like to cook dinner. Well, together. look, I, I hope that. So here's here's this is so maybe this will bring insight to the listeners here. Every time I like have a midweek thing with with the dating scene, you know, whether it's the teacher or somebody I shouldn't be seeing or whatever. Right. The only thing that I ever think about is, OK, I get off of work at 630. That means I can have her over at seven. And that means that I got to figure out how to prep and do the date before 10 o'clock. That's what I think about. Correct. So it's like, okay, logistically, that means that, you know, the fun has to happen before nine o'clock, which gives me two and a half hours to basically get it done. Correct. That's what I'm thinking about. And so I hope like, so that's why I say, well, maybe why don't we just go like, maybe I should just like take her to in and out or something, or maybe I should like do something easier, you know, more efficient. So that maximizes the time. Okay. Well, that's the struggle. You see what I mean? How much do you like this girl? I like her. We, we, we have a good connection. Okay. Well, then I would tell you that I would cook for her. Okay. How clean is your place? It's clean. I just had a clean lady over, over like, I don't know, 10 days ago. Did you, When's the last time you changed your sheets? Um, Two weekends ago, I think. <laughs> you might, you might want to skip breakfast and do some laundry. I guess. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. Well, I, I would cook her. I would cook her. I would make her mac and cheese or something that you, you feel confident in making. So you're saying I can only cook box goods. No, I would go. No, no, hell no. I go to Costco and get a pan <laughs> of mac and cheese and put it in the oven at like five o'clock and cook it on like 200. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Next and, level mac and cheese. I gotcha. Yeah. And by the way, I would also maybe hand pound some burger. Hand pound. And, huh? Yeah, get some ground beef. Yeah. Hand pound some burger. Right, hand pound. Get some brioche. Uh-huh. You know, and and make a spread. Yeah. You know, go to go to Harmon's. Harmon's has a great produce department. Yeah. Buy some pre-sliced lettuce, tomato, and onion. Mm-hmm. Hand pound them burgers. Maybe I want it. Yeah, pound that meat, bruh. Right. And right. then maybe get a couple slices of some exotic cheese. Mm-hmm. And say, here are all the accoutrements. Blow me. (laughs) Okay, wait. Save the blow me part. That came out wrong. Wrong order, honey. Uh, Anyway, the point is, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. You know. I got you. And is she a wine drinker? Uh, She is a wine drinker, but I don't know what she likes. We haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Uh, That's a Tuesday night. You don't want to be. Yeah. It's probably not appropriate. Yeah. Especially the first time over. You always got to kind of. She lives in the city? No, she lives in uh, by the mouth of Big Cottonwood. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll be on Jake's team for this one. Jake's got nothing to lose. Just see where it goes. Make pizza together and hide uh, prizes under the cheese. Whoever bites into it wins. It works. Ooh. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Uh, James Knight says, change them sheets, Jake. Our boy's getting laid. <laughs> uh, Giggity says, Jake is used to hand pounding that burger. Yep. Yes, he I'm is. I'm a carb-eating motherfucker. Yeah, look at those forearms. <laughs> uh, hand pound that spread. Blow me too much. <laughs> Probably, if that's true. Uh, Hand pounding beforehand might help your stamina, Jake. I'm a man! That's good advice. <laughs> that's good advice. If dude is willing to just spend hours with a woman who is uh, ambivalent about her desire to be with him, he's signaling desperation and that he doesn't value I'm himself. Sorry. Did we just say ambivalent? Yes, he did. God, Spencer Morgan. I... Man, you are smart. Yes, he did say ambivalent. Okay. All right. I want details tomorrow morning on this show. <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You should probably play the music. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And I got this asshole problem with my dog. Like, I don't it's know what to do. It's still a problem? Yes. He's, but the cone of shame wasn't on him. I thought it was good. Well, because there was a cone of shame incident this morning. Uh, what happened, dude? My one dog peed into the cone of shame on my oh. other dog. <laughs> it was not pleasant. Oh, it was not pleasant. I came, Dude. I got downstairs extra early at like oh. five fifteen. Let the dogs out, and my idiot dog, who's got the ass vacuum issue, <laughs> like will not pee until the other dog pees, so that he can pee on top of. Yeah, so that he can pee on top of where the other dog peed and male dominance and shit. Yeah. And so he goes over there to wait for the other dog to finish peeing. And the other dog, he sticks his face in there. And so the other dog peed into his cone of shame. Hey, look here, man. Wow. And it's only Tuesday. Wow. It is only Tuesday. <laughs> oh, the gym thing. I We got to talk real quick about the gym thing. Okay, yeah, the gym thing. So yesterday was a... a, a cardio day so on my lunch i go to the gym i do like 20 minutes of stretching get on the treadmill and i'm just minding my own p's and q's right i you know i'm listening to some good music vibe i'm like I, i'm trying to get 15 minutes at 3.5 on the treadmill okay great and so this lady in a in a pair of white leggings and a sweatshirt there's it's wide open. The motherfucker, like 20 treadmills are open. This lady, of course, has to come up to the one that's not right next to me, but next to the one right next to me. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. She's mildly attractive. You know how like you look at somebody and you're like, oh, hey, okay, cool. And now you go back to yeah. doing what you were doing. Yeah. And she gets on the treadmill and I don't really notice it. And then she takes off her sweatshirt, and I kind of notice, but I'm not really paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so then she cranks the treadmill way up. Like like lifts the incline. Yeah, the incline way up. Yeah. So automatically you're like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. She's one of those. Yeah. And then she turns around and starts walking backwards uphill in a pink leotard and white leggings. And she's got on one of those Nike headbands. 
And I'm so like, like eighties vibes. So, sort of like jazzer size. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, yeah, I got you. Was she wearing the high socks too? No, she had on leggings and like some kind of shoe that I don't remember what it was. Okay. But she was extra for sure. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden, so that goes on for like three, four minutes. All of a sudden, the treadmill goes down a little bit. She starts jogging backward uphill in a pink leotard with white leggings. Dude. And she's struggling to do it. Like, I was waiting for, like, it, at one point I was thinking, should you videotape this? Because she's going to fall off this treadmill. And I didn't. But it's just like, what are you? She absolutely had a huge look at me sign hanging around her neck. Yeah. And admittedly, she was, my wife is sitting close by, so I want to be careful because she hates <laughs> when I do stuff like this, but she was not the most attractive woman in the world. Right. It wasn't like I was like, well, goddamn. Right. Let's crank this treadmill up and walk backward. <laughs> like it what? no, not at all. But like the leotard was tight. Like it was, it was a look at me outfit. Right. And then you're running uphill backward on a treadmill. That drives me nuts. Because she strikes me as the kind of person who at the gym would be like, hey, why are you staring at me? Well, because you're wearing a pink leotard and you're running backwards uphill on a treadmill. Who the fuck are you? That drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think there's a lot of vanity that goes on in the gym, dude. There's a lot of people who go there just to get looked at and and feel the attention. There is. Uh, Giggity says, I want Jake to be dragging ass on the show tomorrow because he was up all night smashing. <laughs> smashing. <laughs> Punk Philosopher says, the prize is the cone of shame. Girls love it. Okay. Brylark says, when does the Mrs. Monty show launch? You know, we've talked about it. We just don't have time. And she won't let me put a microphone on her desk so she can pipe in. We've tried. Does piping in happen a lot? We've tried. Huh? Piping in happens a lot, huh? No, I'm married. It never happens. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so that's wow. a that's a married no sex wow. joke. That's why I never tell you to get married. I always tell you to date. If you guys ever want to kick it, we'll flow. All right, now play the music because we are seriously out of time. I am late. Um, there you go. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Jake will talk about not having sex. Right. Because she's going to cancel. Right. Um, I hope she doesn't. Thanks. Because this would be like your seventh straight cancel. Right. Thanks. Yeah. This would be a third straight. Because the teacher canceled. Oh, I got COVID. Well, she actually tested negative, but she was doing it out of precaution. Okay. So she loves you. Let's not start using that word. Okay. Yeah, please. Because you told the, the other teacher that Save you loved her trouble. on like the second date. Save me the trouble. Oh, honey. <laughs> anyway. All right. Got to go. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. We're giving away this Xbox Series S when we get to 3,000 subscribers. Take a photo that you're subscribed. Tag SLC Never Gets Laid and The Monty Show and SLC Supercars. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.